You're listening to Mount Hermeneutics, where three Marines give their perspective on God, faith, and spirituality with a heavy lean on the divine council worldview. This is not your grandma's Sunday school, nor is it always for the Christian faint of heart. Nothing about who we are or what we say make us experts, but you better believe we'll have a take and perhaps it won't suck. Brian, no means no. That was the second time I made Moses bleed. So Matt's wrong. It, 100%. Yeah, so here, here we are. Um, we're on Monday night uh, instead of Sunday night, but that's, but that's okay. We, uh, we have obligations this weekend. Uh, we're having the uh, theological badass Brian that's with us. We also got Matt, who's kind of behind the scenes, pushing the buttons and pulling the levers, um, you know, making sure that we're posted to all the places that you're going to see us. So now we're, we're up on YouTube. So make sure you smash that like button, subscribe, share the show with your friends, and make sure you leave a comment because I, I think that's going to be fun. Um, what's shaking, fellas? What's up? Hey, Dre. Hey, Matt. I think I ate too much salsa last night. I made some <laughs> fresh salsa and my gut's been hurting me, man. Like it's going to be, it's rough. Too much, too I mas jalapenos. Mm. How, how was the weekend, Big B? What's up, man? Uh, it was all right. I uh, I wasn't planning to, but I wound up uh, the greatest video game ever made dropped their last update, and uh, I just wound up playing that all weekend. Seafood. Greatest video game ever made. That's a greatest video game ever made. That's a hot take. I don't know. Yeah. It are you going to leave us in suspense? Or are you going to tell us what oh, it is? I just it's Sifu. I just I just said. Oh. You ever heard of it? All right. It's no it's a kung fu game. Oh. So. Like, if I'm I thought that was like, it, I thought that was really like the greatest dudes that are like into like Asian chicks oh. or something. That's. <laughs> I think oh, there's a hashtag seafood oh, or something like that's, that. That's that's waifu. Never mind. Oh. Uh, a waifu is a uh, anime term for uh, like a fake girlfriend. Some kind of degenerate. Yeah, anime I had to, stuff that was Dude, going you, around. You wouldn't last know her. Year. She goes to another school, man. <laughs> she's totally hot. No, no it's like a, she, she's from Canada. So it's like an anime character that the the viewer like has a make believe relationship with. I had to look this up last year because it was it was trending because some something in something happened somewhere where it was trending, and I had to look that up. And so now I know that, and uh, I'm embarrassed that I do. I'm embarrassed. Briar. That I, do you know the term waifu? Waifu? Yes. Yeah. There you go. So, Ask her what it is. See if I was right. She, she said yes. Yeah, it's you're it's right. you're right. It's a you're, it's, yeah, it's you're the, right. It's the overly attractive uh anime characters. If, in fact, in, in case you didn't hear her, if she can get picked up on the microphone, she said waifu? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, yeah. No, the game is Sifu. It's it's uh, oh no, not the same. So it's, it's a word for in kung fu for a teacher oh so very different i think i i think i did know that i think one of those bruce lee movies they taught me that yeah it was that fake bruce lee movie where he fights his you know the grand master from china that comes over to san francisco and they have the they have the the, the newer one yeah like 2017 i think it came that out. was really good that birth of, birth of the dragon is that what it was called i don't remember what it was I called but... i don't think so I don't know. Is it, it like it's like based Netflix on a real fight, but it I mean lots of lots of stuff there. Linda Lee actually comments on it like while the movie came out right around the same time. Birth, not, birth of the, not favorably. Birth, it was Birth of the Dragon. Yeah. yeah. What did I say? Yeah. 
I think Birth of the Dragon, you, yeah. you were correct. Congratulations, yeah. Brian. No prize for you. <laughs> yeah, that was a for the kids at home. That was a call back to Marvel Comics, but nobody cares. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> no, nobody cares. As as we rock DC t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Hi. I, and I, I, hey guys, we for for the people who can see this, we didn't even plan this. It just happened. It's how Dre and I are just uh simpatico or ben, uh, gay, I'm, whatever. I, I'm trying to de- I'm trying to decide if I feel left out or proud that I don't have uh, comic <laughs> book t-shirts to put on. Yeah, I knew I would be creating that dilemma. Yeah, I'll have to how figure was, that how out. How's how your weekend, man? Other than the salsa, it it was good, man. Uh, went out, and did a little dove hunt. Uh, got the invite from the daughter, which is always cool when uh, when your grown child wants to ask, ask to spend time with you, um, and it's not related to your your credit cards. <laughs> it's kind of nice. So went out, hunted, shot a couple, not too many, but uh, it was good to get out. I didn't, I only hunted once all last year. So, you know, you do what you can and, and try to get out there and and enjoy the, uh, the great natural outdoors. Um, Yeah, it was good. How about you, Dre? What'd you do? I uh, went to coast country jam the whole weekend it was it took place in long beach um i live probably about an hour and a half from from the venue so we we drove back and forth both days um super fun they had you know line dancing and lots of drinks and there was thousands and thousands of people just kind of roaming around uh saturday the headliners were uh dustin lynch brooks and dunn and uh, blake shelton and then on sunday it was scotty mccreary with um uh, Marin Morris and Tim McGraw was was kind of the the finale of the whole show. So they had a cool drone show with some Americana theme stuff. You know, tugging at my heartstrings, playing you know, proud to be an American and things of that nature. And it, it's it's kind of just kind of fun to just kind of be with with some patriotic people. And, and oh, so know. it was it was it was a patriotic thing, or like over, like not- overtly so, or. Yeah, so you know, some of the country artists are like, you know, America can kiss my oh, ass. Right, you don't right, like right, it, right? right, right. And then, and yeah. then you know, uh, they sing the national anthem before, I think, like six o'clock at night. And um, they, both renditions were pretty good. Two people I've never heard of. Um, and then they had, you know, the drone show that kind of showed the American flag up when it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was nighttime. Right. That was good. Oh, I did something else this week. Oh, I went to a, uh, Brian actually drove to Tulsa and back for a, uh, a dinner. It was a appreciation dinner for the Oklahoma Veterans Association. So this is another one of the things we've done through, through what Carrie's got going on with her uh, Miss Veteran America uh, activities. Actually, I'll put a link in the in the description for anybody that's interested. Uh, that's a great picture of you guys, by the way, in the dog. Yeah, except my I had the wrong button buttoned on my suit jacket. Didn't even like, notice, I, but now I'm gonna go troll you for my yeah. Comment. It's up. I had the, <laughs> my bottom buttons buttoned. I don't know what had happened there. So like, I the minute I walked mm. away from the picture, I looked down. I was like, "What the hell?" And I was like, oh, "I bet you can see that in the picture." Um, but uh, and it was fun to get dressed up. Um, it's always good to go, you know, show the show the wife off. But she's uh, for I haven't actually talked about this on the podcast. So Carrie's been act- active in this. It's kind of like a pageant, but for it's not. It's called Miss Veteran America, Ms. Veteran America, and it's a uh, it's an organization called Final Salute 
and they are a single purpose nonprofit organization focused on addressing female veteran homelessness, which is a unique problem. Uh, it's one of those things you don't think about until you hear about it. Um, the reason it's prob it's problematic is there's a lot of wild statistics about it, but women, female veterans are the grow the largest growing number of homelessness in the veteran community. Mm. Um, and it's a pretty stunning number, but the, the real challenge is two thirds of these women are single mothers. So you're talking about homeless women with kids. Um, and then you think about like a homeless facility or a veteran facility. Well, there's no vetting process as to the men that are in the facility. So you got this new problem of putting women with young children in with potentially dangerous men, right? In like group housing or, you know, Jesus house type situations where there's, you know, you don't have doors with locks and that kind of stuff. So these women, they don't, have a lot of places to turn to so that Carrie found out about this act, this organization. And so she decided she wanted to compete and it's for a, you know, it, it's like a pageant, but it's not a beauty pageant. Um, they have to go out and do fundraising and that's how they're, they're graded on fundraising and um, like interviews with like how well they present themselves to be the spokesperson for the organization. So she made the the finals, she made it through two uh, rounds and in three weeks, two and a half weeks, we're going to be in Orlando, Florida for the finals. Um, but anyway, because of this, she's been really hyper-connected to the veteran community here in Oklahoma. So we've been going back and forth to a lot of different events. So that's what we were, we were doing that on Thursday of last week. Well, it's interesting. Sounds yeah, like a sure. good cause. Yeah, it is. And that's kind of the thing, you know, for her, it's, it's like, we've talked about, she gets to, you know, kind of scratch an itch, you know, apparently all little girls grow up wanting to be Miss America beauty pageant contestants kind of thing. Right. But this is actually for a, a legitimate reason and the activity, like I said, you know, she's raised a couple thousand dollars herself, um, from, you know, a handful of different fundraisers. Um, and then the organization obviously does a bunch on its own at a national level. And then the winner, goes around for the year and represents the org, the org and kind of does speaking events and whatnot. So let's make sure we, we leave that link too. So people, yeah, I'll, know I'll throw that, I'll throw that link in the bottom. If anybody, yeah. Last minute donations would obviously be awesome. Um, Carrie's doing a, uh, she's doing a couple of raffles. So this flag behind me, uh, there's another veteran organization that makes these and he does these for free with donated money. And then he brings the veterans in to do woodworking activities in his, little shop that he has at his house um, and he donated a real big one to carry that she's selling raffle tickets for and she's going to raffle that off and i'll put links to that and to uh i forget the name of the organization but i'll put the link to that org in the in the description as well do, do we know why that problem is happening or why it's increasing it's i mean it's always mental health at the end of the day right it's it's a it's a, it's a combination of mental health and financial health right it's mm. what drives homelessness like people don't wake up one day and go you know what I'm just going to move out of my house and go live on the street. Like that never happens. Right. Yeah. It's some kind of combination of drug addiction, PTSD, trauma, um, mental health. It's, it's all of those things combined. I mean, there's some pretty, I, I, I don't want to start quoting the stats because I don't have them in front of me, but I've heard Carrie talk about them a bunch, but the num the percentage of women veterans that experience some level of sexual assault while in the military, I just say it's North of two thirds. It's, it's a really, it's a really right. big number. Um, and 
you know, you get into, you know, well, what does that actually mean? Does that mean you were being like catcalled or you were like raped? And it's the, it's, it's the gamut of that, right? It's the continuum of sexual assault. Um, but that's just part of it. Um, you know, and obviously we know about the 22 and, uh, you know, the, the number of veterans that take their life on a daily basis, all of that's linked to, you know, things that happen before they join the military, what happens to them in and then after, right? So it's all of those things that there's not like one answer. So there's not like one magic button to push that you can just throw money at. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of different contributing factors to it, but it is a serious thing. And I never really thought about, you know, women having a special need for homelessness or housing, but, you know, it, it, that, that two thirds being single mothers kind of makes it really real from a, just a humanitarian point of view. You're like, man, there's a bunch of little kids out there with, with, with their moms that don't have a place to live. Um, so anyway, you, you know, it's, it's interesting, just anecdotally. I mean, I live, I live in a beach city, homeless people are usually on beach city because it's warm. Right. Weather's good, and yeah. and 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 it's also on a marine base, one of the, the biggest marine base that there is. And I have noticed probably over the last ten years that the the population of the the women that are out there on the streets is growing. Mm -hmm. So then, because of the proximity to Camp Pendleton and the number of women that are out there, it's it's uh you know perhaps that this is a, a veteran problem, and it's it's interesting to hear it. You know, and to have their statistics behind it and not just what my eyes are are telling me as I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm walking through my town here. In yeah, Oceanside. for sure. Well, I think part of it is, uh, you know, other stats that women in the in the military is the, is a growing number, right? More women are joining the military than ever for before. Sure. So yeah. if you have a veteran homeless problem to begin with, women are going to be the rising stat within that statistic also, right? Like, I mean, at some point we're going to have women, you know, committing suicide at a higher rate also, hopefully not ever more than men because the percentage is different, but yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot there and it's, a uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really been interesting. Carrie, you know, was never a big public speaker or um, very politically aware until she got into this. And now she's, she's met both of our senators for Oklahoma. Um, and she's met the governor twice, right? Like she goes to all these events. She's got pictures with her and she's on the ballot next, man. That's right. I mean, she keeps being told by a lot of her contacts that she, she needs, she's going to end up in state politics. Um, and it was funny, my brother, Andrew, we, me and him were talking, he goes, I got to say, he goes, if we ever sat down and said, which, who of us in the family was going to become a politician first, he goes, the bet would not have been Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and she but keeps that saying, gap is closed recently. Right. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. She, I mean, she's, she's the amount of contact she's made is pretty staggering. And, you know, uh, when she goes into places, people come to her. Now it's, it's funny because a lot of it is the fact of her having a service dog. Right. So having Ruger with her, she's, it's memorable. It's like, Oh, the, the, the blonde with the, the dog, right. Kind of thing. So it's, it's not, it's not hard to figure out that part, but at the same time, like, it's pretty funny when she's going places and people are like, you're Carrie, I, I know you. And it's like, she's like, she's like internet famous in, in Oklahoma kind of thing. It's, it's interesting. Well, good for her. Yeah, for sure. that's it's been fun watching her. And she's really enjoying it, which is really weird. Like she, you know, a person has to get to their mid forties to figure out what they want to do with their life. But uh, she's kind of got kind of got that figured out. I mean, it took us this long to figure out we wanted to do a podcast, right? So, what are well, you gonna do? What, what? I mean, what are you gonna do? You'll just <laughs> you'll just turn the mic on and just start talking about nonsense. That's all. Right. See what, right. See what falls out of it. Exactly. So, 
so boys, what are we gonna what are we gonna get into tonight? I know we had uh, we had kicked around a couple of things. We talked about uh, predetermination, predestination, and or the problem of evil. Either one is kind of linked to the other in my mind, at least. And I think we'll end up in the same place. But how do we how do we want to get into this? Um, I have uh, I have strong opinions on both. So I'm or uh, or I'm... demons depicted in cinema that kind of leads to both, right? Like. Yeah, nefarious had we were talking about that earlier, and it had some. Uh, they, he he got into the uh, the problem of evil quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah. So I'm, hey, I'm so, game. so so Brian, why don't we just let's let's ju- let's let's do problem of evil, just to to pick a, a direction, and why don't you take a shot at explaining kind of in a in a formalist sense what the problem of evil is. Um, well, it's, it's, it's typically best summed up by the Epicurean paradox, which. (laughs) Sorry, I had to mute when I laughed that hard. What's what's behind that look? What's, what's going on there? The what paradox? The the Epicurean paradox. It was in that one. It was in a superhero movie a, a few years ago when. You know, in Batman versus Superman, when he uh, he lures Superman to the helipad and he taunts him about his mother and he tells him that, uh, you know, if God is God is either all powerful, but allows evil, he's I'm not framing this very well. Basically, the Epicurean paradox has it that God God is a self-refuting concept, because if. God cannot be both all powerful and all good. If he's all, if he's all powerful and all good, there would be no evil. Um, but the fact that there's evil means he's either not, he wants to get rid of evil, but he doesn't have the power to, or he has the power, but he just doesn't want to, which means God is not all powerful and all good. Therefore God does not exist. This is, this is what Lex Luthor taunts Superman with because he pictures him as God and, Anyway, that's that I I figured with the uh, the pop culture usage, it, it would be better known. But it's it's a it's a pretty common thing in atheist versus Christian circles. Yeah, I think I've I've come across it kind of simplistically when you talk about like you know uh, you have a someone's child is born has childhood leukemia, right? So you've got like a one year old, two year old kid suffering with this terrible disease. And the family are very Christian, very religious. They're with their pastors, they're praying. And then you kind of, you kind of invariably hear the question, like, how, why does God let this happen? How does, why, why did God let this happen? And you hear all kinds of different um, ex- excuses or examples or rationales about, you know, it's a test, it's part of the divine plan, um, this, that, and the other thing. And I think, so I have a, I have a personal opinion on this that, um, it's a it's a it's a combination of the two, but between the problem of evil not being well understood or well explained, and then its direct relation and a, a direct correlation to the concept of uh, predestination or predetermination, uh, but those two are kind of interlinked. And for those anybody that doesn't know what that word means or those phrases, we're talking about the you know when you've heard somebody say that this is all part of God's plan. Right. Like that's essentially, and I'm going to say this, Brian was going to want to speak up on this, that it's not exactly what it means, or it doesn't have to mean that. But when you tend to hear that phrase, 
predetermination or predestination in religious circles, what that is attempting to explain is that this is all part of a play, essentially, and we're part of a plan that God has already seen work out and he knows how it's going to end, right? So those two things tend to be very linked in most common circles. Um, and I've I've come across a couple of a book specifically um, that I'll put the description in the link below. Do I have it here? Yeah. Was it the Haskins? So, yeah, my Haskins book. Yeah, I don't know if the camera's not picking it up well, but I'll put the link in the in the description. But it's called the the triumph of of God over evil, um, and he brings in some whole different topics that I won't have time tonight to get into, like open theism. But it basically presents open theism as a as a solution to the problem of evil. Um, uh, so and, and, and predetermination, to be quite honest. Go ahead. When, you, when you say open theism, what do you mean by that? The... Well, I, so yeah, I was—I said I wasn't going to get into it, but I'll—I'll I'll at least explain it because I'm sure we'll talk about this in, in follow-on episodes. So, if you back up, well, simply put, open theism, and I'm—you uh, know—to Dr. Hasker, I'm going to take some liberties to try to explain this simply. Open theism is a pretty different concept. It's definitely not mainstream. That suggests that God does not actually know events that are going to occur in the future to the extent that he's not willing to, or is not able to, we don't know what it, that, what the answer, what the truth is to affect an individual's freedom of choice or freedom, free will. So it, it suggests that as a, as a direct counter to Calvinism or predetermination that where God knows everything and it's already been decided um, open theism is a is suggests that the the future is somewhat undecided as it relates to an individual's decision making capability. Mm. So that's that's kind of the broad strokes, and it, obviously there's a there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, um, it, it even branches off into like open futurism, and and like an, I don't know what the other one is. I think it's modal or something of that nature, but it it has to do with Aristotle's. Uh, truth if you know the logic of if there's truth then 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 there's false and there's there's no other and i think aristotle actually when it when it talks when he talks about the future he let both concepts go which is which is kind of an odd thing for him he he's like there the future is neither true nor false it just and is it, it, yeah it, it is when it gets there when you get mm -hmm. there you'll 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 cross that right. bridge when when you're at it so that's less an idea about that's that's less a directly theological idea and more of a an idea about time, whether it's a they're kind of linked or... though, right? They're they're linked and it's and it's philosophical more than. But once once you once you grab both of those and then start backing it with some scripture and I don't know what they are off the top of my head, um, and then start talking about the concept of God now now it is it is theological. Mm. So. Is there, just to kind of help me uh, direct, uh, so I'm not just rambling incoherently with no objective in mind, is there a particular reason you guys wanted to talk about uh, the problem of evil or is it just a... I, I think it's a, so so me, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, my personal take is I'm of the opinion that the misunderstanding of the problem of evil coupled with... I'm just going to say Calvinism, and I and if to any of my Calvinist 
friends or family out there, I apologize for how this is going to come across, but I'm of the absolute belief that the combination of a misunderstanding of the problem of evil and a misapplication of Calvinism is the main reason that people leave faith, specifically Christianity. I'm on the, I'm on the, I'm on a very same plane. And I, I think it gives uh fuel slash ammunition to people for people to lean toward atheism. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that uh, by, by saying there is no God, then you can kind of distribute the, the, the responsibility of all the stuff that's evil. And I think that that's probably one of the main uh, components that led the world to embrace something such as communism, which is, which is pure atheism. Right. So uh yeah i think i think that's a i i'm with matt i think that that's the number one reason why people turn away from from religion that and santa also, claus also make fun of you by saying oh so you have this all-powerful what, what we call him sky daddy sky daddy that, yeah that, that you do that does these things but yet it he won't do this 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 that or the next thing uh is is pretty evil so you're so-called lovable sky daddy is actually the evil thing right or you see the you see the comment of what's the other one it's like let me get this right so he created sin and then told you that if you do that thing I'm, he's going to put you in a lake of fire for eternity like nice, <laughs> and he also nice knew, he also knew you're going to do it and he knows you're going <laughs> to do it so like what's the point like that these are all the real common kind of throwaway top level atheist slash agnostic slash anti-religion anti-christian uh kind of tropes that you hear on a regular basis and i think for me i didn't really i didn't really have a strong i hadn't fully formed this perspective that i have today right like something always bothered me and i didn't know what it was and i hadn't given it a ton of thought but i did think about it and you know you you know people here and there um that have walked away from religion. Uh, one of my best friend, one of my best childhood friends from like grade school and through high school, um, was one of my most religious friends. And then he went to college and got too smart for God and walked away. Um, and I haven't talked to him about it in any detail, but, uh, Alex previously known as sung, if this makes its way to your ears, I'd love to have this conversation with you or like, if you get a chance to listen to this one, I'd be curious what your thoughts are. Um, but my instincts are that it was the problem of evil specifically. Cause I know he was going through a couple of, uh, philosophy classes and whatnot when we last had talked before he kind of went off onto this difference into this different pathing. Um, but I, it seems to be pretty consistent. Anybody that I talk to that, especially those that grew up in the church that walk away from it, this is where they're, this is where they're stuck at. And I got to say, personally, if I had, you know, and I'm so thankful that I never had to, if I had had to experience any kind of real trauma with relation to my children, you know, childhood disease, uh, childhood death, any of those kinds of things. And if I was in pain, reaching out, asking for help, and I had some pastor say, well, this is all part of God's plan and you're being tested like that dude, but it got catch these hands. <laughs> Like there's no two ways to explain that any other way. I can't imagine the pain that those parents go through and the, 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 the laziness to just use those kinds of lines to say, well, this is why it happened. Yeah. Nah, man. Like this does, it doesn't work for me. So I, I, I guess it had always been in the back of my mind as a problem statement. I just didn't understand what the problem was or how to articulate it or address it. And then honestly, 
I read this book by, by William Hasker and like light bulbs started just going off like fireworks in my head. I was like, wait a minute, this makes more sense. Now that makes more sense now, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I know Brian, you're, you don't go nearly all the way to open theism with me, but I think we're coming to the, we come to the, around to the problem of evil somewhere in the same place. So yeah, um, I, I well, do think that that's the number one reason why people step away. I think science is a distant second with, you know, evolution and, and, you know, the big bang and stuff of that nature. I think we're able to reconcile those two thoughts together, but the, the evil one, I think is one that's hard to reconcile. And, and Brian, I'm going to let you go, bro. Here we go. Oh, I'm, I'm not, uh, honestly, <laughs> I'm, I'm not in any hurry because this is such a, this is such a huge topic. It I really is. I know I'm, I'm gonna, I, I'm not going to do it justice. Um, but uh, so I'm frankly, I'm happy to procrastinate and let you guys, <laughs> you guys say more, but uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, it's like, I, it's like I have an epic workout in ahead of me and it's, uh, and I didn't get much sleep last night. It's, and, it's uh, fucking leg day for Brian right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> he's, and he's dragging yeah. his feet. Literally he's like, I think maybe, maybe I'll just do curls in the squat rack and then right. it'll be, you know, I'll look good. <laughs> I would, Dre, I would never do that. You know, I, I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you saying it, that. And it's not like it, I, I have my, my own convictions. <laughs> loathe that people who people who curl in the squat rack are you're you are you are the reason people don't believe in God. <laughs> <laughs> so Brian's you, like, it ain't the problem of evil. It's people curling in the squat. It's rack. Not Calvinists. It's people who <laughs> curl in the squat. People rack. curling in the squat rack. Squat rack a, is the problem with evil. That's a, that's I, a hot, I know. That's a I hot take. People, I, I like know it. people who were who grew up devout Christians. They were they were preachers. They were going to seminary. They went to the gym. They saw one guy after another curling in the squat <laughs> and rock. They said, and they're like, no, there, there, there is clearly no, can't be a god. How can there be a god happens. when this is happening? I wonder, I wonder if Bart Ehrman saw that's what it was curling the squat rack. Bart Ehrman ain't never been in no gym. Well, it was the first time he didn't understand. He'd been so once. He never, he you never, know what? He, he stepped out of out of church. He was it. And I bet it's. Our spiritual place, the church called the gym. That's he, went right. to, he went I'll, to one I'll planet it, fitness. I'll bet it's worse <laughs> like, than that. Why they eat pizza? I'll bet Bart Ehrman curls in the squat rack. I oh, you know, one of the problems with curling I, the squat I rack went there. is I said there that. should be no plates other than forty fives and above near the squat rack. I, and if I you agree. can curl 135 and above, well then what, what do you mean? Maybe, no, so you just round up to the nearest ninety pounds every time you squat? Maybe. You just go from from three fifteen to four oh five to three to to four ninety five. There's no in between. Maybe that's why I don't squat. Maybe that's why my back is bad. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's why I have bad hips. <laughs> okay, okay, Ronnie Coleman, right? <laughs> so, but no, I mean Brian. I think you might be onto something there with Ehrman. I mean, like like I, although I'd pay money to see video of him in a gym. To be to be honest, like that would be good. Yeah, I uh, I guess there's no delaying this any longer. No, there's not. I guess we got to get into it. We got we you got to take a stand. All right. Well, I think that the problem of evil it it carries a lot of emotional impact, and that that actually is Bart Ehrman's stated reason for rejecting Christianity. So it's a pretty common thing. I don't blame Calvinists per se. I, I'm no fan of Calvinism. Um, I, I loathe Calvinism. 
Um, <laughs> but, violence. Uh, violence today. But like it's it carries immense emotional impact. Um, but it's logically it it's it's easily resolved. It's just that the the logical resolution doesn't it doesn't meet the emotional. It's not emotionally satisfying if you're if you've if you've if you'd experienced uh, tragedy and you're angry at God, at God or angry at the concept of God or rejected God rejecting God. Hearing the logical explanation for it doesn't it doesn't make it hurt any less. It doesn't take the pain away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the problem of evil endures for, for that reason. But also, I think it I think it does come from a a. a I think it's helped greatly by a very shallow understanding of Christianity. Um, and it's, it's, what do you mean? What do you mean when you say that? Well, I mean a lot of things and I'm trying to think of what the, uh, what the most parsimonious way to explain this. The most what? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here's our editor in chief, Brian Irvin. Parsimony, parsimonious, simply, but the simplest way. Okay. The most, the, the, having the least, We'll just say the simplest way to explain it. Although the more simple it is, the less the less mileage it will get. But um, first of all, it's a very it's a very pagan frame. The 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 Epicurean paradox: this idea that if God is all powerful, He can't be all good. If He's all good, He can't be all powerful because evil exists. It's a very pagan way of framing it. It 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 frames it as a question of power, as if. And, and I have a blog where I explain about this. We kind of, we talked about it last week. It's, it's that, that one you especially hate, but it's, uh, I don't especially hate it. It's just, I spe- it's especially tiring. That's all. Yeah. In, uh, in, in pagan religion, there's a recurring trope of, um, a, the storm God doing battle with the chaos dragon. And, um, he slays the chaos dragon with his storm weapon, and then he f- fashions the earth from its carcass. And so evil is pictured as this great monster that has to be that you need you have you can only be defeated with through heroic struggle and great sa- risk and sacrifice by a by a superhuman hero. Um, in the Bible, though, the serpent is that the evil is not a, a a huge menacing dragon. he's a pest he uh he slithers into the garden and seduces he doesn't he doesn't threaten physically until he's given power and then he becomes the great the great dragon and it's not a question of power as if god can't fight the dragon and destroy it with ease it's i mean the the answer is free will the answer is that we we are the evil that 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 uh gives the the big chaos dragon the serpent his power um if if god does away with evil that means doing away with us well or, um, or doing away with our ability to have free will which is the same thing it means it, it, it because because what makes us unique is our free will and our ability to choose to follow or not follow his his commands right. yeah the, the, by, by nature of what god is creating in humanity um he, he can he's either he either destroy one way or another he destroys us by doing away with evil um he either just wipes us out like he did in the flood or he makes us less than human he he reduces us to 
to autonomous to automata and animals, um, which is its own destruction. Mm-hmm. And, so, and then we're no longer in his image. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The whole concept um, of, of, of being different is why we're not like monkeys or dogs or ants or whatever else, right? All of the other living organisms on earth, they don't yeah. have free will in the way that we do. Um, in fact, we, you could, we, you could say that our free will has been, uh, compromised in the fact that we are in our fallen state, we're slaves to our instincts and appetites. And that's why we're, we're fallen. Humanity is often compared to animals in the Bible. Um, we've, we've talked before about how the, the whole point is to make us fully human, to elevate us from our animal nature. And, um, Dre looks like he, he wants to say something. Well, well yeah, I, you know, um, so how do predeterminists, I mean, we, we have to solve the problem of evil. How do they solve the problem of free will? Um, I'm going to get into that. How do they reconcile that we do have free will, but everything's destined to be at the same time? How, how that to me, that, that it's so incompatible that it, it, it can't work. Uh, the short answer is middle knowledge or what's known as mo- Molinism which is I've heard of I've heard of that before. Right, I I have too and I I haven't I've never gotten that deep in that what is what is it, that? Basically like because God is all knowing and this is actually a rejection of open theism. Um because God knows everything, he has what's what the uh what um what's called middle knowledge. Like it's not it's not knowledge of what is or of what absolutely will be. He knows what would be given given the circumstances he know he knows every choice you'll make mm-hmm. when the uh circumstances are brought before you um but also i i i want to i want to i want to give time to this but i i want to do it justice but i i think there's i kind of want to go circle back to my point about how it, it that all of this arises from a very shallow view of christianity um I think I think that's exploring that I think would be far more profit because anybody can just look up what middle knowledge is. And I think it's a satisfying way to to reconcile predestination and free will. Um, I, 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 I reject that, but yeah, I don't, I don't think any of our listeners are tuning in to be given homework to go look things right. up later. Well, no, I, I, I don't, I, I don't reject to... the, I don't reject the concept of, of people being able to look it up. I reject the concept that that answers the question satisfactory. I, as we get into it, I think uh, your, your mind might change and I plan to get into it, but I, I think a, a more important so, point. So you're, so you're saying that you, you subscribe to this. Personally. I do subscribe to this. Okay. Yes. Um, I'm saying Brian, ha- Brian's claiming middle knowledge of whether or not you will be satisfied by his explanation. Huh. No, I don't, I don't <laughs> claim to know, but I think that it's possible that you'll be, that's, that's what middle knowledge is. Right. I would, so I would not, right. I would no, not middle, so middle knowledge on the part of God is that he, he knows absolutely what you will choose absolutely. in any given circumstances. And I think oh, absolutely okay. is the part that I, okay. So, so it's that, not that like I, a, that I quibble with. So it's not a choose your own adventure book where he knows the two different pages you can turn to. He actually knows that you're not going to turn to the first page. You're going to go to the second. Yeah. Even though um, the choice is there. Yes. He knows, okay. he knows what choices you will make 
among whatever choices you're presented, he knows you'll choose. So he, so he knew, he knew Adam and Eve were going to choose to ignore him and eat the fruit. Yeah. And it, the scripture does say that he, that uh, in Ephesians one, where it does like predestination is a definite biblical concept. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the word, the Greek is pro orizo, which is pro, which means before and orizo, which is the word we get horizon from. It's like a, any kind of line of demarcation. Mm-hmm. So he knows before the, before it happens, um, or he, uh, not just knows he determines it before it happens, but in Ephesians, it's not talking about individual Christians being individual people being mm-hmm. preordained to become Christians. He's talking about what is preordained for Christians collectively. That right. Particular, that right. Particular so let passage. me, let me, so let me, let me restate that just for clarity and for brevity, not, not for you. I didn't mean it was an attack. I just, just to clarify what we're saying. So you're, what you're suggesting the Bible says is that god can know as an example um you know the fall is going to happen which i don't know if i agree with that one but we can put a pin in it but he can know that uh christ will come the messiah will you know be sacrificed be crucified will rise again and then he will then provide this conduit for humanity to know god and that eventually Christ will return and that the final battle will occur. And then the Edenic forever will be, will, will, you know, heaven will be brought down to earth, earth will be born again forever. Everybody's happy. Like God can know those things. Right. Because specifically because he's involved and required for those well, things he's, to happen. Right? He's planning those things. Right. But, but then the diff, but then the catch is, is all of the, the details between here and there, you know, pardon the pun, the devil's in the details well, and, and anything can happen between here and there, as well, long as those big but, but muscle would, movements happen. I would say that I'm an, I'm an expert on my life and I can plan that I'm going to wake up at four o'clock in the morning. I'm going to, I'm going to drink a little bit of water and then walk my dogs. And then by five, I will be in the gym. And, and I can, I can just go on about my day mm-hmm. and that is my plan. And, but I don't know that that will happen. What I know is that probably it will happen and the probabilities grow as we get nearer. And as I make up my mind to do these things, but I think that it's false to say that I do know that that will happen because the future is unknowable. And well, so that's not to say that God isn't all powerful and doesn't know things. I think that it is not a truth to be known at that time. So he knows all the truths, knows all the things that are true, but you can't know a truth that that is unknowable. And um, and, and, and all the all the atheists say, well, well, can God make a stone that's too heavy for him to lift? Can God turn <laughs> well, a circle the answer, into a square? The answer to that is, is can yes. Can God make a man a woman? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, the answer to can God make a rock he can't lift, so heavy he can't lift, the answer is yes, that's what free will is. Um, free will? What? I, I don't think I agree with that. That's like some kind of like weird logic loop of power. I, well, I think that I think that he doesn't because because it's not a truth. Therefore, he cannot do contradictions. <laughs> OK, there's no contradictions because it's not that he, he can't do it. It's the fact that it doesn't exist. There is nothing to unknow. OK. Or to know. I, I have a few points to to say in response to 
to what you just said. First, what you just described about planning to go to the gym and planning your day, that's actually exactly what the 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 Greek word pro pro orizo predestination means. It just which is like why if, I said it. Which is yeah. why I said it. If I if I get in my car and I because I've decided I'm going to go to the grocery store because I need grapes, well, I have predestined myself to be at the grocery store buying grapes. Um, the difference is that you and I are not God. We're not omniscient. We don't. I mean, what we what we predestine for ourselves is not. It's it has nothing to do with the specific meaning of the Greek word that's translated predestination. What it has to do is with the, it the, because it's God predestining it. That's what makes it an absolute. And everything else you said about how it's not there to be known. Well, this just this this all depends. This all depends entirely on whether you subscribe to A theory of time or B theory of time. And there's a there's a C theory, but I don't want to get into that. But are you guys familiar with these two concepts of time? Pretend we're not. Okay. Um, well, if you were, I was going to have you, one of you explain them for the for the kids at home. But uh, um, but uh, A theory is that uh, there is no like the past is gone. There is no future. It's all just now. Um, so it's just there's no uh just the past and future don't exist it's just it's just the present b theory kind of pictures it all as a as a one long one continuum that we are we're in it but god who like because god created the universe time is a physical property of the universe space and time are one and the same because god exists beyond that and he created it all he stands outside of it so to god the distant past is just as present to him and the, and the distant future are, they're all equally now to him. Um, cause God's eternal, he's timeless, he's beyond time. And so, um, you know, not everybody subscribes to B theory and, and B theory doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily entailed with believing in God. Um, William Lane Craig subscribes to a theory. Um, but, um, but even on a theory, it doesn't, if B theory is true, then there's no question about whether God knows the end from the beginning, because he, it's, it, it already exists as far as God is concerned. And that's how some people could read, uh, where it talks about how with the day is with the Lord, the day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. Um, uh, an eon is like a, a watch in the night. Um, it, it seems to me that there can be an a dot one theory, a dot five theory as well. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see how those are the only two options, and there's no options in between. For example, the past is it happens, so it does exist, and there are truths. You can say that that no shit happened ten minutes ago. Why? Because I saw, I saw it, I seen it, I, I was there. It. Okay, right? but but in yeah, what but, sense does it exist now? What, in the past, but it, but there's a truth about it. That's what truth is. What is what exists? Um, it is not true. Well, you have the effect. I will do this podcast for the rest of the hour. I can plan to. I can want to. I could have a stroke. I could get up. My family could have an emergency. The outside factors can can come into this thing. 
So you're saying that the past is a fixed point. Yes. But it, but outside of your memory and outside of the, the effects that it left behind. Now, I, I happen to subscribe to B theory because I think it's the most consistent with. Hey, hey, Brian, I think you inverted them. I'm, I just did a quick look. I'm, I'm, for what it's worth, I'm looking at uh, Wikipedia. It says B theory is tenseless, meaning there's no past, present, or future. And A series is when you have future, past, and present. I think that'd be an important distinction. But um, but regardless, I mean, it is one or two. Well, right. You, no, I get that. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't flip them. I might not have explained it very well, but. Uh, what I, I just Googled B theory. B theorists argue that the flow of time is only a subjective illusion of human consciousness, that the past, present, and future are equally real, and that time is tenseless. That's that's what I mean when like God is standing, can God God can stand outside of time and he can see the end from the beginning all at once in one kind of panoramic view. Whereas A theory means that there is no um let me see what it says, so I don't. So it when again. it comes to free will, God doesn't intervene to make you make a choice, or help you make a choice, or cause you to make a choice. He just knows what choice you're going to make. Well, but hang on though. But these well, two things are—I don't know that they're. Con I think they can be disconnected. Well, just just to, so we're complete. Let's here. clarify A and B first. That's fine. The the A theory of time is typically associated with the idea that the present is metaphysically privileged or singled out in some way from past and future times. Furthermore, there is genuine flow of time as past events recede further and further into the past, and future events move closer and closer to the present. Now, that's not really how I've how I've read it, but, uh, how I've read it before, but it's, it's more or less what I said. Um, a theory is, uh, the past is gone. The future doesn't exist. B theory is it all exists along a continuum. Um, and we're within it, but, um, yeah, I, I, I guess, I, I guess my problem is I'm not clearly understanding the distinction between the two, but let's, let's not turn this into a, Big Bang Theory, Sheldon Cooper uh, breakdown of space time travel, but here's 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 think, my think of it think of it this way: if 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 B theory is true, then time travel is theoretically possible. Like the past still exists, you can go back to it. If A theory is true, there's no time travel. You're the only time travel is what we're doing right now. Well, then I'm a B theory guy based on that requirement alone, irrespective of what that means for anything else. It makes I'm for pro, better. I'm, I'm pro time travel. <laughs> Pro B, <laughs> but yeah, but but here's but, but here's my point. Let, let me let me let me throw something out. So as it relates to God, right? If God, you know, the whole concept of standing outside of time. So let's pretend, for simplicity of discussion, that reality is a movie, right? And the movie's playing, right? God can extract himself from that, and he's actually sitting in a cinema watching it in the divine council in the divine film room and he's watching time occur right so he can okay. see the future right so at any given point in time he can see the future <clears throat> the way i see it is that while in that moment he can see the future that future can change as every second ticks because in real time free will is occurring in the movie and the future is constantly changing because of what's happening at this point in time that's how I, that's, I'm just simplest, simple, in, in the most simple way of explaining it. That's how I see God as it relates to time. 
Well, the question is, is, is time subject to God or is God subject to time? I, I think time is subject to God. Right. So he's, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm perfectly good with God being the power. Right. And, and this is the difference in how I see it as it relates to free will, because God gave us free will. God allows time to continue without his interaction and his manipulation. God right. could affect that ending and he could freeze it or he could yell cut or he could do whatever to the movie to make the ending the way he wants it to be. But he chooses to allow us to live our lives because that's what he designed perfectly, by the way. And so that movie continues to change. Now he can make scene corrections. And I think that's what miracles are and interactions, divine interactions. He's affecting the end or revelation or any, any prophecy or anything he gives us, right. Affects that end. But I think that end is in flux. Yeah. And I think that, and this is why I didn't, I didn't want to, I think there are more foundational fundamental things to discuss before this. Cause I don't, I don't claim to understand time. Um, I don't claim to be able to, uh, if we're, if we're concerned with what the Bible teaches, um, it teaches it's, you know, it reads that God knows the end from the beginning, that mm -hmm. all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Mm -hmm. um, so God, so, you know, I, I think if, I think the Bible precludes open theism. Um, I, yeah, I, and I and I don't, and I and I think it's a matter of how I'm interpreting it, right? So back to my point, when I say the is, end, of, just to, let me clarify. Okay. When I say the end of the movie, right? What I'm suggesting is end times, right? The Edenic end of right. end of the world. It's going to essentially end the way he wants it to. But everything is in churn, and that's why Christ hasn't returned yet. Whenever whatever has to happen here to make the ending of the movie the way God wants it to be, that's when it happens. And it seems to me that Satan and demons understand that, so they and prolong this hundred percent movie absolutely as long as possible. They're like, "Hey, we are Peter Jackson in this bitch right now. We're watching mm -hmm. all the episodes. At, we're binge watching this." And if as long as we can keep you dumbasses who are human from doing the right thing, we can make this last eternally, even though God's so eternal that it lasts a blink of an eye. Yeah, that's and so I he's think just pissed and we're just stuck in this thing for a long, long time. And I and I I don't see I'm sure that as I was talking, there's a couple of listeners that are like, Matt, what are you on about? Like, you're insane. Of course, God can see the end. It's going to be the way. Of course, it's going to eventually be that way. But it's the details between here and there. Right. That he's not controlling. He could. He chooses not to. And that is a fundamental difference. You can end the movie right now. I mean, to me, this is just the way I, yeah, 100%. Wait. I, I, I don't. But to believe, him, it is right now. <laughs> I, I, I think the only way that you can have true free will is with open theism. That's the way I see it. Now, maybe I could be proven wrong and I could be, you know, I could be convinced that there's other versions see, of, 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 of some alternative to open theism that still allows for full and true uh, spiritual libertarianism. I just don't see it. Yeah. And to me, this is, this is one of those things that you, you would call wizard dueling. Mm -hmm. I um, knew today was going to be a wizard's duel. Yeah. 
for the kids at home, explain explain Wizards Duel. So, so uh, if you back up, well, not back up. If you go to uh, Exodus, there's the little excerpt where Moses is going to see Pharaoh, and he's suggesting Pharaoh let his people go. We all know the story. What most people don't recognize or aren't aware of is in the midst of this argument, an actual Wizards Duel erupts, and <laughs> Moses does some stuff where. He, oh no, the the Pharaoh, uh, Moses throws his rod down. It turns into a snake and the Pharaoh looks at his wizard and goes, well, you can do that. And he goes, of course I can Pharaoh. And he throws his stick down and it turns into a snake. And then Moses, snake eats the Pharaoh's guy's snake. Like they literally are having, like, I'm in my mind, I'm visioning the sequence from, uh, what's the Disney movie with the, 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 the wizard and the uh, Fantasia. Fantasia where Mickey's Mickey Mouse is the little helper for Merlin. And then they get in this wizard's duel and all that. Like that's, what's going on in my head as I'm reading this passage in the Bible. I think the movie Holy Moses with Richard Pryor as the Pharaoh <laughs> and Dudley Moore, who thinks he's Moses. Cause he thought he talked to God, but he was actually talking to Moses, like throws his staff down. And he's like, ah, okay. <laughs> but so that anyway, so yeah. I came up with this wizard's duel thing. And then Brian and I have had a couple of conversations where I have um, been bugged by some philosophy people and theologians that get into these so incredibly esoteric arguments that if you don't have a PhD and if every word you use isn't parsimonious and uh, what was the other word you used, Brian, last week? two weeks ago, Li licentiousness. licentiousness. Like if you don't use these kinds of words, you can't be in a wizard's duel. Right. So I, I, I started using this, this term internally wizard's duel as a, um, you know, as a put down for, for theologians that get to be too wordy to, to quote. I'm not going to engage in your wizard's duel. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to let you know, you know, from a, from a layman's perspective. Exactly. But, but I, but <laughs> yeah. so that's why, that's why well, Brian just warned me that I was stepping right. into wizard's duel territory, yeah. but I also what? knew that this, this topic today was going to be wizard's duel territory. So I, I, I've got my magic wand over here and yeah, I'm, and, uh, I'm ready and, to rock. And I don't think you have to figure out the nature of time and whether it's a theory or B theory or C theory or, or get into all the stuff about open theism or middle knowledge to just take what the Bible says and, and, and resolve this. Although those things do help after the, they help kind of solidify it after the fact, when you've looked at all the issues. And when I would, when I was talking before about how this, this arises from a, a shallow understanding of Christianity. Um, <clears throat> I recently, I, I've read the Psalms every day since I've for the like virtually every day of my life for the past 27 years since I've been a Christian. Um, like every day, I'll, I'll read the Bible, I'll read at least a Psalm, and then I'll whatever else I read. If I might only read a Psalm, but I've been so I spent a lot of time in the Psalms and it. I recently went through and I I kind of tallied up how many of how many of the psalms are messianic or eschatological eschatological meaning having to do with the end times and it it kind of it kind of strikes me how like the problem of evil seems like such a it seems like such a silly preoccupation um having read the Bible. Um, but we read it with this understanding that it's about, 
we have this one narrative from the Bible, but we have this other narrative that we project on the Bible and that kind of obscures the main narrative. The, 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 the narrative that we, we think of as Christianity is that everything kind of keeps going on the way it's going on. It's going to go on indefinitely. And the real goal is that uh, it, to, to, to get into heaven when you die instead of going to hell. And that's kind of what everything is geared toward. And that's what we sort of project on the Bible when we read it, when um, really the Bible teaches that like, the, like everything that we experience of the world right now, it's temporary. Like a, 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 a way of looking at it is that human history hasn't even really begun according to the Bible we're just, we're in the preliminary stages. So this idea of, well, why, why does God allow evil? Um, well, like vert, uh, 85% of the Psalms, they are, they're all looking forward to this time when God does away with evil and rewards good. And um, it looks forward with celebration and exultation to this, this time when, when the Lord will judge the world with equity and the nations with justice, when, when all of the oppression and evil and, and wickedness of the nations is finally done away with. But all of this right now is only temporary. That, and that time is an inevitability. And, and, and I, ha I had a hard time tallying up which ones were were eschatological and which ones were were non-eschatological because they all it seems like most if not all of them in some way kind of look forward to this time but we kind of we kind of miss it because we don't we have that different narrative in view um and we we kind of gloss it over when we see it like uh like you read those parts in the gospels about how he preached uh the kingdom of heaven is near and uh repent believe the good news and um, you're not far from the kingdom of heaven, he tells people. And we think he's talking about how to get into heaven, but no, it's about heaven coming here. And it's, it's like right there in the Lord's prayer, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your mm -hmm. will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the whole point is that, you know, God only temporarily allows evil. And the whole point is about resolving it. Well, yeah, so... So, Hank, so let me point out something, and I think this is this is key to this conversation around the problem of evil. So, I've got a, I've heard a lot of Christians, you know, say things like, "Oh, the devil's out to get us," or "I'm under demonic attack," or you know, this, that, and the other thing. I I I was it was because I was reading Hasker actually again, so I blame all this on on Doctor Hasker. Um, why is it that we feel the need? to categorize everything as evil right um or demonic and here's here's what i'm getting at um a t so so two of us live in oklahoma we have these things called tornadoes right they're very destructive and there's been quite a bit of lost life to tornadoes yet i hear many christians in fact um we had a pretty big one here in Moore a uh, few years back. And to give you time reference, it was 2013. Um, there was a certain church in Kansas, Westboro Baptist Church, that implied overtly that the reason that the tornado happened 
was because in Oklahoma, there was a very prominent basketball player named, um, thank you, Kevin Durant, who had openly endorsed another basketball player who was the first openly gay basketball player in the NBA. So those two events happened. Then a tornado happened. The, the fine folks at Westboro Baptist Church declared that this was God's judgment on the people of Oklahoma to punish Kevin Durant for endorsing a gay man. Like It's a hot take. It's a hot take, and it's also asinine and stupid at the highest order, right? Like, why? Yeah, the same thing with, with wildfires and earthquakes. Yeah, here. right, I, right. I've heard. Yeah, uh, but it, and I guess it's because we've always used this term of an act of God to dis, to describe natural disasters. But like, come on, guys. Yeah, it, tornadoes, meteorological occurrences are not active behaviors on the hand of God. Like, no, it, they're it, active it, behaviors on the hand of us because we uh, use fossil fuels. Because <laughs> there were never tornadoes and earthquakes before, right? I mean, the simple answer is, or the simple way to look at this from a logical point of view is tornadoes occur in this area. There's this area of America called Tornado Alley because tornadoes always happen there. And it has to do with things like jet streams and, and you know, meteorological disturbances that happen on a regular basis in the same parts of the planet. Oh, not because... God. Not because God particularly hates the people that live in Tornado Alley. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, if... if it, Well, unless God roped off Tornado Alley... And for the Indians? Were, for, and he's mad at all the white people for taking all the Indian land. He's trying yeah, to blow them out. roped off and then we well, chose to live there anyway. So he, you're, the warning is, I send a tornado... And you guys every, didn't listen? <laughs> and you and you just keep living there anyway. But, but then explain to me. So so then you know then that would have to, we have to take the leap of then why is it that God only sends tornadoes in the spring and the fall, never in the summer or the winter? You know because more the spring, like, more man, the spring than the fall. You know it's like guys, come on. Like meteorological occurrences or meteorological occurrences. Could God ordain or cause one to occur? Certainly the flood. But He also said, "I'm not going to do that again." Um, and to think that a hurricane happens or an earthquake happens or a wildfire happens because of God, like most wildfires happen because of man throwing a cigarette butt out of a window into brush that hasn't been dethatched or hasn't been, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons why wildfires or, happen. Or a few unhoused in LA that, you know, they try unhoused. to warm and next thing you know, a lot of people are unhoused. Right. Yeah, like it's well, it, the, the concept that, that everything bad that happens is directly divinely inspired isn't, first of all, insane. It's actually it's, pagan divination. Well, I was going to say it's, 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 right, it's, right. It's, it's, it's intellectually lazy, in my opinion, right? And I, I've used this term for a while. It's lazy Christianity, right? When people sit back and go, oh, I don't have to do X, Y, Z because God's always going to take care of me. No, look, there's, a, there's an old joke. Um, and I know you two have heard it, but I'm going to tell it for the listeners um, about this guy who's he's in New Orleans and there's a hurricane coming and the the city comes out and warns everybody weeks ahead of time that there's a hurricane coming. And a lot of his friends and neighbors, they leave town and he's and they're like, aren't you going to leave town? He's like, nah, I'm not leaving. God's going to take care of me. 
And they're like, well, we're out, dude. Well, now the storm's rolling in and, and the sirens are going off and the winds are picking up and people are boarding up windows and they're leaving. And now they're, now they're actually all making a run for it. And he's staying in his house and they say, you know, aren't you going to leave town? He says, no, God's going to take care of me. And as the storm progresses, you know, the, the streets are flooding. Now the guy in a big jacked up four by four is driving through the road. He's like, Hey buddy, come on. He's like, Nope, God's got me. So the truck drives off storm gets worse. Now there's a, there's a, a bass boat going down the, the road. Cause there's the waters have raised so much. Hey buddy, you want to ride? Nope. God's going to take care of me. Well, now the dude's up on his roof, a coast guard cutter comes down the street on its with its big radio system and they're trying to get the guy on the boat and he waves them off the boat goes off now the guy's on the peak of his roof with water coming up to his knees and he's about to be blown off the house and a helicopter comes down and lowers a rope and they're trying to get him on the rope and he waves him off well spoiler alert the guy dies the guy goes to heaven he sees god and he says god you said you would never forsake me why did you let me die and god's like bro i sent you a bass boat a coast guard cutter a helicopter like what do you want so the point of the joke is that there's a line that has to be crossed where we have to take agency for ourselves. We have to actually do what's in our best interest. We can't rely on God. We should trust in God, but we have to, you know, take our, we, we, we're here for a reason and we exist back to free will. And I can't be convinced that the, the, the way that we're intended to exist is with godly intentions and godly intent, but acting in, you know, the best interest of, of what it is that we need to do, you know, ultimately in the, in, you know, the glory of the kingdom of heaven, but at the, you can't glorify the kingdom of heaven if you're dead, right? Like there's <laughs> rule number there's, one, don't I mean, be dead. Yeah. Like right. there, there's a certain, you know, that's why they tell you in an airplane's having an, an emergency. The first thing to do is if you're traveling with young children to put the mask on yourself first, so you can actually be coherent to take care of your kids. You can't help your kids if you pass out from hypoxia, right? Like, I, I, uh, I do think and, that that uh, we have, I mean, just just going with the we're in his image. I mean, being a parent kind of feels exactly like that, right? You 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 raise a child, you give them paths. You can predestine that they'll at least be able to afford college because I put some money into this account. But you you do all the things that could that can get them to where you want them to be. But ultimately they're the ones making their decision. They're the ones that make the decision on everything that they do in their life. Of course you have input, you have you have ability to to steer uh what what may drive them. And I and I kind of feel even though it's not the same scale as God, it kind of you get that feeling like, okay, so I I just like I want my children to do things, I should probably do something in 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 service to to that. And it's not, it's not to say that your children worship you, but but they are they they are kind of steered by you. You are kind of their light until until they're ready to kind of do things on their own. But you can guess also, you know, based on their personality, you know, a a problem or something arises that that comes up, you probably know what they're going to do because you spent their entire life observing them. Um, I mean, I could probably tell you based on what's inside my refrigerator right now. <laughs> that if I left the house and my wife made dinner for herself, I can I could probably lay out exactly what it is that that she ate, not not because it's predestined, but because I know what's available, what the options are, and what she'll probably choose. Which which kind of goes back to Brian's B theory of time, where I I'm clearly not God, 
but I'm I'm pretty good. I would I would take my my assessment of uh, my family's pattern of life over probably anybody else's other than them. Well, to your earlier point, um, yeah, we humans are God's preferred way of acting in the world. That's that's actually foundational. That's the, the fact that we're made in God's image and we're made to rule over creation. Um, and we're fallen, of course, but the church is how God would prefer to, through, through redeemed humans in in whom the spirit of God dwells, is how God wants to, to act in the world. And and this is kind of the, this idea that, you know, the, the tornado destroyed my house, that's, that must be because God is mad at me. Um, like I said, that it, that's a very pagan way of looking at it, that the, a pagan worldview sees nature as um, these personified uh, autonomous forces who are, who are acting with agency and with intention toward humans, as opposed to the the biblical worldview, which puts humans above nature. Um, of course, you know you can't control what a, you know whether a tornado hits here or there, but if you look at the you know the the property damage and death tolls of natural disasters in the developed world versus the third world um uh, obviously you'd rather go through that in the developed world which is you know we haven't <laughs> we haven't perfected it of course we're still vulnerable to certain things but we can the, the fact that we're that the those differences in numbers speaks to our ability to, to harness and control nature to, to a degree. Yeah. And that's, that's what we've been able to do as fallen humans, but, and considering also the, the previously incurable diseases that we've cured, all the medical advancements that have made things that would have, uh, you know, the infant mortality rates are, are way below what they, what, what they took for granted a mere a hundred years ago. But uh, it, if we can do all that as fallen humans, imagine what we could do if we didn't have to divert resources and attention to fighting wars, to police, to security, to all the things that, that we, we could probably spend all night listing all the things that we have to do that demand our attention and resources to manage human sin. If we didn't have that, how much more we'd be able to accomplish. So, mm -hmm. so in a way that that you know, people will object to uh, you know, the, the curse and, and sin as the explanation for human suffering. Well, what about natural disasters and diseases? Well, those, those are included because we could, we could defeat those um, if not for our sin. Well, I mean, not least of which is disease wouldn't exist if it wasn't for our sin, but that's a different conversation, right? It's arguable, but I mean, I mean, what it, it's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty commonly held opinion that things like cancer and whatnot are were a direct result of, of the fall and the events in the garden of Eden. Right. Like as far as the numbering of, of our days and all of that. Well, the quite, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, the question is would those organisms exist, um, but for the fall and would they be path out, would they be path out? Um, so the, so the fall decreased the length of our telomeres weird 
telomeres. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but yeah, like Brian was getting that like pathogenic uptake and that kind of stuff, right? Like all right. of those things. I mean, I, I it makes sense, right? It's just it's just a it's a simple thing. But I'm still going back on evil and what evil actually is, right? So there's two there's two halves of evil if, in my in the in in this conversation as I see it. There's natural evil and then there's man evil, right? So and both to me are easily explainable. So again, we talked about natural evil, you know, natural disasters, fire, tornadoes, whatever. Like that's not God. So then you get into man evil. That's not God. That's free will, right? And that's what you were just getting at, Brian, with, you know, death and murder and all that kind of stuff. So it's almost like the problem of evil isn't a thing um, because there's natural and then in included in natural, I throw chaos into that, right? Like the concept of, of just bad stuff existing is, you know, the, the, the guy who gets cancer and never smoked a cigarette and he gets lung cancer somehow, right? Like that's just randomness. And some of that stuff just happens as um, far as you know. Well, yeah. But like but, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a stance. Right. Is what I'm getting or, at. Like or I, I'm saying, been, or it like could have been prevented ten years ago by you not eating a certain thing. That I mean, there's, yeah, right. But I, but I but hear still, people say things it's still like chaotic. So like we're talking about this weekend, right? So Saturday morning, uh, I get up at you know ungodly zero five thirty for a civilian on a Saturday, right? So I can go hunting, and I walk outside, and my truck doesn't start. And I'm like, bruh, it's 5.57 in the morning and my truck just click, click, right? Mm -hmm. So pretty much pissed off God. Exactly, right? Like, I don't, so, so, you know, there's, I've, I I know people that would go, oh man, devil's out to get me. I'm I'm under demonic attack. My truck won't start. What? No. How about my battery's two years old and I don't commute to work because I'm home officed. And my alternator doesn't run enough to cycle the cells in my battery to keep it charged. I don't put it on a tinder. And so my battery sucks. And I bought a cheap battery, right? Because like I said, I don't drive a lot. So, you know, my daughter drove. We jumped in her car and she drove us to where we were meeting our other friends to hunt. And then we threw our gear in their truck and rode with them and we went and hunted. And guess what? Nobody died. Like it wasn't like final destination. And I was like, you know, bending the laws of physics to go around something that happened. My battery was just dead. Stuff just happens. You know, people get a flat tire on the way to the office. That's not the devil. That's Manuel didn't close his toolbox and a nail bounced out of it and was laying in the middle of the road. Right. Like stuff happens. I would say that's a semi-pagan way of looking at the, the world. Like the devil made my my battery like I, that i don't i don't rule out otherworldly forces the i mean obviously we you know we've the divine council worldview is a major facet of our sure our discussions here so those those beings do exist um but we're not like these little inanimate chess pieces on a board that they're right. moving around the whole point of the, the the of human existence the whole point of god creating us in his image is for us to have agency and it's there's a you know we think of ourselves as subject to these these larger forces and that's that's somewhat true but the the whole point of the 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 entire enterprise of human history is for us to to create that meaning to impose Mm -hmm. that meaning on the world and 
that in the Bible, God tells us this is the meaning to impose on, on the world. Um, and if we have faith, if we trust him, that's the meaning, that's the meaning we impose, but it's not, it, it's, it is very much subject to us, not us subject to it. Well, and that's, mm. you know, I, 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 the other thought I had was when I hear all these people always saying it's the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil is ostensibly nothing more than a fallen angel. And when I say nothing more than the devil doesn't possess omniscience, omnipotence, nor can he stand outside the reality of, of space time, right? He's just an Elohim lowercase and any of the other fallen angels are no, are less than him and the demons if that's if all they are is the disembodied souls of nephilim are less than that because they're only half elohim right like we give too much credit cred, credence or give too much power to this demonic world that exists and its ability to affect all of us in real time like how many there's only a finite number of them and they can't be everywhere at once. Well, I, I I have no idea how spiritual beings interact in space and time, or what their what their relative knowledge or abilities are. Um, but uh, but I do know that you know the the choice of whether to be subject to them is given to us. That yeah, that too. And I think by by presenting them too much power in in our in our minds and in our our development we also subtract from our own where we we kind of we give them too much divinity and don't give ourselves enough and and in yeah. next thing you know here we are not in the image of god and abdicating and think, abdicating authority and and right. control yeah it, it that's 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 a big part of it right is you know it kind of makes it kind of reminds me of our talk uh, a couple of weeks ago about Crowley and magic and the uh, the occult tradition that stretches back to uh, Genesis six. Um, like it seems all, you know, mysterious and mystical and cool from the outside. It seems like there's 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 all this power and and importance to be had by pursuing this this secret knowledge but it, it's actually kind of it's actually kind of dumb like when you when you look at when you look at the inner workings and how it relates to the the biblical narrative and um like it and it, it all boils down to the, the entire point of all of it is to influence our choices mm -hmm. that's that's all they care about um if they can get us to to trust them and and think we're getting these important secrets from from ascended spiritual masters who are going to lead us to enlightenment. Well, if you look at what they offer them, it's just warmed over Hinduism. Um, but it 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 kind of goes back to your your point about not giving them too much power. It's it, not to deny their existence. Not to oh, deny of course not. They're, yeah, right, right. Well, like it's you know they're you guys remember the the moral panic of the eighties where about satanic ritual abuse and <laughs> dungeons and dragons dungeons and all dragons, that. Yeah. yeah. And, yep. uh, yep. um, you know, the, I remember all these 
you know, these Christian parents who saw demons behind every bush mm-hmm. um, and wouldn't let their kids watch cartoons after school. And so and- I've got a stepbrother who wasn't allowed to watch He-Man or the Smurfs because somehow they were both demonic. I mean, one's anti-Semitic, but I mean, you know, what smart. Wait, wait, just, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I had Osri- a, Osriel the cat. I remember in the third grade, I invited a kid home of a friend of mine from school to come over and, you know, play with transformers and watch cartoons or whatever. And he's like, well, what kind of cartoons do you watch? I'm like, I don't know, just the, whatever's the usual, on the usual stuff. <laughs> I mean, Thundercats. Don't, don't you, don't, don't, don't you watch Jim? Jim and the holograms <laughs> Barbie and the rockers. Well, that, that I watched Thundercats was a deal breaker. Cause that's, Ooh, that's and he's like, yo, do, isn't there a character that, that worships the ancient spirits of evil? I'm like, yeah, but he's the, the bad guy, the bad guy. Yeah, we, I mean, it's, it's, we, like we kick his ass every like, week. That's the, that's, <laughs> that's the guy not to emulate, but like in a way it's my, my point of that is that in a way they were, they were right. Like those, those influences are there. Sure. But in another way, like they, 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 uh, they give them all this mystique and power by acting afraid of them. Like it's uh, like the more, you know, about like Aleister Crowley, like the more you see this influence in pop culture and the stupider you realize that it is and the less power it has. Like it's, it's, well, it's kind of like every time when you were a kid and you watch a horror movie, the lead up to seeing the monster was always worse than seeing the monster. Yeah. The minute you can see it, you're like, all right, that ain't, I mean, it's okay. Sure. But you know, but it was when it was the creepy music and the scratching and who's there. What is that? You know, that's, that's always much scarier than the actual presentation of the big bad guy. Yeah. And, uh, like, you know, the, the wizard of Oz is real. He is a real wizard, but he's, he is really ridiculous when you look behind the, the curtain and what they're calling magic is, is that kind of like master blaster from beyond Thunderdome? Kind of, kind of like that, <laughs> except he, it really he's, was... like, he's just a child. Artem. And you didn't, yeah. you didn't really realize, you know, what, what you were fighting there. Um, yeah, but it's uh, like magic and witchcraft has this reputation that that's its power is in the it's in the secrecy and illusion. Like they have it, like witches have this reputation of flying around in broomsticks and right. casting spells and communing with spirits, which th- these things are metaphorical for things that, that for for real things there is real magic but it's this it's the same magic that like pr and advertising uh professionals do in controlling you with language um that's really all it is um this idea of like language being the medium of consciousness and transforming consciousness through through certain turns of phrases and manipulating people's behaviors that's that's real magic and it and it works but it's not as it's not as mysterious and powerful as as the the frightened fundamentalist christian parents in the 80s thought mm-hmm. like the more the more you know about it the less power it has to to over society and over you 
but it and it and it goes back to, they're they're kind of accepting the 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 hype from the wizards on and the and the pagans and the the other religions on what these religions do um and it kind of, it, it kind of, it ties into what we were talking about how we we have this pagan idea of uh you know took the tornado that destroys your house um god's mad at you because we think of nature as having agency and being over us um and it stems from a superficial view of christianity but um mm -hmm. I'm sure there's yeah. more we could say about it but um I, well i mean i'm pretty sure that uh that really we're just living in a big wwe script so like it's all scripted out all the fights but there's lots of factors right there's I mean, it's it's a dangerous thing to to be in the ring and doing high fly stuff. So you could, you know, tear your ACL, but you know that's that's unforeseen. There could be people in the crowd and and the different depending on how how much they are into what's going on. Then you know, perhaps the the script goes faster or slower, and uh, so a lot, of, a lot of unforeseen things. Or you know, there's free will inside the ring where somebody just might be like, I'm not going to go on script. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pin you now, or I'm gonna take a fall. And whoever whoever wins, so that pretty much makes uh, what Vince McMahon God and, and and Jr. the Holy Spirit is that what is that what we've decided? <laughs> I honestly don't know if you're that's if you're I mean, that's, if you're that's spinning an elaborate metaphor or if that's, you're that's pre, joking. That's predestination. It's the, he's, script, he's, the script is written. He's, and, he's but there's things that happen within the ring or the or the arena or. Or within it, you know contracts and things that are that are unforeseen that they kind of kind of derail the plan and then the plan's got to go get back on track somehow and the script next week on USA and you can catch brother because I think maybe the Hulkster was was the son. <laughs> so so I mean going back to talking about you know time and and the outcome that's I think that's an interesting analogy right it's like if you're talking about we know how it's going to end. Right. For those that don't know, spoiler alert, professional wrestling is scripted and fake. Oh, shit. But, you guys are in Oklahoma. My bad. But the reality <laughs> is, is that there's a lot of things that have to happen from the minute the guys walk out and the music plays until the 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 bells rung. Right. And so you think about it. Vince calls in the orders. Hey, I want Undertaker to pin the rock. And it needs to be about 20 minutes long. Like that's pretty much what they have to work with and whatever they do between here and there is how it has to be. Now, the reality is Taker could get knocked out by a chair shot unintentionally and they have no choice but to do something different. But that doesn't mean it wasn't intended, right? Or it was intended. But I mean, that's not a, it's not a terrible analogy or metaphor to it. It, it might be, it might be touching on sacrilegious, but uh, it's, I think it makes the point. <laughs> uh, there that doesn't sit well with Vince me. Um, is, well, I knew it wasn't. I knew it wasn't going to sit well with you. I'm trying to decide if it's and it's it's not just because I uh, have a low opinion of of wrestling. Um, well, I mean, shame on you, first of all. I know, right? I know. Yeah, it's um, a guy that reads comic books has a low opinion of wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Come I, on, I, 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 I. There's, there's some. Uh, you know, there's it's there's some there's some stuff going on there in, in comics. What why would why would comics be uh I mean I I know that comics are juvenile, but there's uh 
well, I don't want to get into my my but, spiel but on why comics that's, are. That's to say that there's not things going on in wrestling, right? There's a lot going on because they're real human beings, and they're Look, flying off of things. And they're I'm and not they're, I'm not knocking people who like wrestling. They're 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 doing just things that like should it. paralyze human beings, and somehow they're not hurting each other while they're fake fighting. And the guys like that are pulling the punch are actually the ones getting hurt, which is fascinating in of itself. And and even the storylines itself on creating a hero or a heel, right, a babyface or a heel, you know, we're manipulating mm-hmm. hordes of people based on things that people do in a That's... time and space that has to do with pop culture. Very comic booky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they take a lot of their cues from what's going on in the real world, um, and they and they and they play that into the into the show. It, it was Brian. Wow. So so, uh, so you you made a comment before that you you feel like you missed out on not being stationed at Fort Meade with Dre and I. You would have been very unhappy to know that a lot lot of our energy was spent watching professional wrestling. Maybe I would <laughs> maybe I would have gotten into it. <laughs> might have gotten know. into it. You Wait, maybe I'd be. Monday I mean, Monday nights in the uh in the in the barracks suck on Fort it. Mead was was a bunch of a bunch of young Marines stacking boxes of beer ready to watch professional wrestling in the TV lounge because it was fun. And we all watched it knowing eyes wide open. We knew it was fake. What we were fascinated with was how they did it without killing each other. And then obviously, you know, it was the the, the height of what is known as the attitude era of professional wrestling, which was inarguably the best era of, of professional wrestling. Um, and so there was a lot, there was a lot of uh, cult of personality going on. A lot of, uh, you know, admittedly a lot of TNA was involved with it. It was when that was at its, its highest. Um, it was just a good time to be had by all, by a bunch of 20 year old Marines. The nineties were a wild ride, but to go on that also, we also watched the pay-per-view event when Owen Hart had a a, mm-hmm. a, man, a a malfunction of his equipment and plummeted to his death. Yeah, yeah, a guy died on live television from an right. accident, and we were watching it together. And it's funny because we're like, "Oh man, that didn't look right." And then, <laughs> right, we, right. But then, but then when we saw the reaction, I think it was Deborah that was in the ring, and she was like, or or Terry Reynolds, one of the one of the, anyway, whoever the, the the the, 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 the what they called the like valets valets, yep, like completely broke down. Right. And you can see like that's not acting. She's mm-hmm. horrified right now. And there's 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 danger going on. Um yep. but yeah, that's I mean, Owen Hart was supposed to, I think, win or or mm-hmm. lose and supposed and to win. Yeah, supposed to, that was get. that was his big over because he had right. never gotten over and he was supposed to get over right. in that fight and he died. So that's a predestination for you. <laughs> well took a took a different took a different angle due to unforeseen occurrences i'm not i'm not saying this is necessarily your meaning um maybe maybe it is and you'll and you'll correct me and if i'm if i'm not reading you this into it but i i think your your metaphor could easily leave people with the idea that we're we're saying that god's plan for history is basically just theater and we're we're playing roles that were assigned and um i think that's the wrong impression um but at the same time i think that we do have roles and we actively choose to play those or not 
Um, I think we actively choose to move in and out. We can be off script. The difference between us and the WWE is the WWE actually knows the script and they know what they're supposed to play. And there's where I took my shot at, at predestination where mm-hmm. it is all just theater until someone comes and, and jacks it up. It was like, is that the serpent? Did he come? And he's like, nah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to read script. But I think if you go pure Calvinist, the script did play out exactly the way it was supposed to. Well, it has to where, by definition, right? Where, where I think my WWE reference was somewhere in the middle to kind of kind of poke poke holes at, at 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 both and i and i think you're right i don't i think it's absurd to think that we are just cosmic puppets from th- this this unseen realm mm-hmm. and god knowing exactly what the outcome is and just playing along like hey that's a condemned soul and i already know it but i'm going to make him come into existence anyway and Welcome, condemn them. That's I think that's um, the wildest thing that I came across when I've when I've done just a little bit of reading I've done on predetermination or, or predestination is that the concept that there are that the decision on who will be saved and not saved has already happened. Like that's that's the wildest part of it for me. And it's the part that I don't understand how anybody's okay with. But I think it, what Brian is saying is that since you know, God's so part of the timeline that he's actually just saddened that he knows this guy is going to choose his condemnation. That's not, well, no. Am I wrong there, Brian? What would you, what are you saying? Um, one, I want to, I want to state emphatically and w- without equivocation that God is sovereign. Absolutely nothing happens that is beyond his control. Not a single sparrow falls to the ground apart from the will of your father in heaven. Um, but that doesn't mean he exercises that control. There's I agree. A, there's a passage in John 7, um, verse 29. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Um, so God had a purpose for them, um, and they rejected it. Because they hadn't, and you know, because they had been baptized by John, I think that's worth discussing what that what that means. Maybe maybe in a, in a future podcast, but um, but the point is, God had a plan for them. Um, you know, Jesus said, uh, "Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stoned the prophets and killed those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing." Um, and it. Peter writes that God is willing that none should be, God is willing that none should perish, but that all should be saved. And so God is absolutely sovereign. God does. And it, um, but he wants people, he wants people to be saved who are not. And so the, the question I always ask the Calvinist is, well, how, you know, you know, why would, if God willed that to happen, why wouldn't it have happened if we don't have free will? And you know, not all Calvinists reject the idea of free will. Some, some. How, how do they? How do they believe the two can coexist? Um, it, it's it's kind of nuanced, and that there are some there are some merits to what they say, but I don't. I reject the conclusions that they that they draw from it. But you, everybody, you're there are degrees of freedom um nobody everybody's freedom of will is determined by their nature nature is destiny 
Um, so what you, what you are internally will determine the things that you choose, but the, but that, that doesn't ultimately answer the question. Okay, we're all dead in sin. We're all, we all have nothing internally to draw on to make us choose, um, good over evil, God over the devil. Um, we do need, we do need God's grace, but where Calvinists, um, where Calvinist air is that they, they think that regenerate, that God has to regenerate you. You have to be saved first and then you choose him and then you have faith. Which no, is I don't think they believe you choose them. Um, I don't, I don't think that's part of the calculus. No, that Calvinism does teach, um, God saves you first and then you choose him. Well, I feel a deep dive. I no, hang deep on, dive hang coming. on, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, Calvinists believe a couple of things. One, well, it, let me clarify though. You choosing him is not like it. It's. I should qualify that where you you don't you're you're choosing him, but you're you're a, you're choosing him because you're a puppet, and those are where God's pulling your strings. So right, not really there's any, no free will in that choice. That, so you you he chose you to be able to be saved, right? Like he, he chose ahead of time, who's going to be saved and who's not going to be. Well, saved. they don't even, they don't even say that much. They, they, the, my main problem with Calvinism is that they, that they teach that regeneration precedes faith, which well, I they, know. Well, they teach also that the, the concept of the cross was, was so that they see it the opposite, right? So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it, the opposite of Calvinism is Arminianism. Arminianism, yeah. Arminius um, was kind of the counter to Calvinism in like the 18th or 17th century, or to something keep, like to that. To keep it short, we'll say the so we'll say that, but yeah, I mean, close enough, right? I mean, I get there's other things, but no, it, just it at is... a high level. So, so the, the the way I understand it is really about it's the it's the cross part, and it's about that. I guess I'm an Arminianist to a certain degree, right? Because I understand it as Christ died on the cross to allow me the ability to be saved. But Calvinists see it as the other way around that the, I can't even word it properly because I have such a struggle with understanding how they see it. Um, they, they, they say that the, the, the term is limited atonement. There are the, you're, of the five points of Calvinism, you're thinking that the acronym to sum up Calvinism is TULIP, which stands for total depravity, unconditional election, limited atone atonement, which is what you're talking about. Like Christ only died for the elect. Right. Die for the unelect. Right. Oh. Right. Oh. Right. Then, which goes back to predetermination and the fact that ooh. you were pre pre chosen ahead of time. And, and like, to me, like, that gets, gets into the whole, you know, the meat puppet concept of then all, everybody is like, what's the point of asking for forgiveness if you were already forgiven because you were pre-selected? And then what's the point of feeling bad for things you did wrong because you were just playing your script? Yeah. The thing is like, I don't, I think figuring out all these, all these abstract metaphysical questions, I, I, I think there are, there are definitely right and wrong answers to that, but I think that's secondary to their, there are there are practical problems with what with what they teach by teaching that regeneration precedes faith you have to you have to be regenerated by the spirit first and only then are you capable of believing and thereby being that your faith you're not saved by faith 
you have faith by being saved. Right. Um, which, which, you know, this is one of those things that it has the veneer of, of biblical sounding piety, but it, but it, it, it's scriptural the way that the devil quotes scripture. I mean, the devil quoted scripture to Jesus in the wilderness, Yeah, but he, of the devil. (laughs) I, I, I will just, just like uh, NASA, right? NASA is the devil. (laughs) The reason this is, this is Hollywood, the the practical ramifications of this. And you guys have heard me go on about this. um, Basically like, no, I can't present the case to an unbeliever and, and lay out for them and show, show the evidence and the reason that Jesus rose from the dead, that God exists, that, that the Christian worldview is, it maps to reality in a way that they can see that's futile. There's no, there, there's no, that's not going to make any difference unless the, the Holy spirit bypasses their reason and makes them believe. Now I might find out that that happened by my apologetic efforts, but I'm certainly not going to impart in them any saving faith. So it's really just an exercise that God lays out for me to do, but it's not, it, it's, it, there's, there's no stakes really. It's just a matter of, uh, it, it is kind of like, you know, following a wrestling script. It's, it's already been, uh, it's already been preordained that this is what's going to happen. Um, there's no choice in the matter. Now the Bible does use that language in certain places, but what the Bible doesn't say in those verses in those exact verses that Calvinists like to quote is whether the preordainment had conditions. Um, in Romans, Paul says that God, those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So according to Paul, there was something God foreknew about them by which he predestined this. And the, the, the consistent message that we get from the Bible is we're given choices and there are stakes to those choices that that there were be the biblical writer jesus and the prophets and the apostles they implored people to make the right choices because their choices mattered and you see in the book of acts how they 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 argued they reasoned they made the case they persuaded people of the truth of christianity that jesus had risen from the dead that jesus was the messiah and people responded to that in faith, and then they were saved. And you you find this pattern throughout the, the New Testament, um, throughout the entire Bible. The, the appeal is to have faith and to put their faith in Jesus, and then they receive the Holy Spirit for salvation. Um, faith is the condition of regeneration, but they flip it. Faith is the condition of regeneration, and faith is the responsibility of the church to impart. Um, because we flip that, we don't we don't meet that responsibility. We 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 put it as something outside of our control, and we leave it to disembodied mystical forces to take care of for us. And so, you know, that's a big reason the church is apostate and it's not growing. And we don't we treat apologetics as something that's. Uh, optional and secondary to uh you know it's a it's a good edifying hobby if you're into that kind of thing but it's totally uh 
is totally extraneous to the main function of the church, that's a problem. That's uh, that's a big reason that people are leaving the church. It's not, I mean, the problem of evil, I think they that's what they come up with after the fact, but really it's just they haven't been given good reasons to believe. Um, so uh, yeah. I could use a little Brett Michaels, give me something to believe in. And, and on that note, um, I want to emphatically state that I do, in fact, not believe that Vince McMahon is the father, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the son, and Jim Ross, the Holy Spirit. That's that is not what I believe. But <laughs> I'm glad you clarified that. Yeah, you know, I said you, the thank movie, you, the, the, those the, those guys. I mean, as cool as they are, and as in as much you know time I've spent in my life being entertained by those fools I, uh, although vince's not... walkout music was no chance in hell i mean maybe vince <laughs> is the devil maybe maybe he's the devil i think uh there's a certain canadian that would agree with you <laughs> some screw job in montreal i think it happened mm -hmm. I do want to add that the resurrection is the ultimate answer to the problem of evil. Well, first of all, the crucifixion. Ooh, no, 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 let's leave it there. Let's leave it there. Let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that another time. Because I, I think that, that that's a that's a good topic to, to go on, and that's a great teaser. All right. Um, and I think that we'll have a link in the description of all of our socials where you'll be able to find us on X, artist formerly known as Twitter, uh, YouTube now, so check out YouTube. We we are, we are going to be there. Uh, video, so you get to see what our ugly people. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> ugly. I'm so. Anyway, yeah, where you you can you can see us, uh, and uh, also you know Instagram and 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 Facebook. Check us out.